The Beer and Pretzel Podcast and Trash Talk Podcast are part of the Buttwide, though, and Podfix Networks. Check them out to hear more content from other great podcasters. And out of these dark times came the gnarly age, a time where humanoids no longer feared the evil, the wastelands. Now they take up arms against the mutant overlords and what slime-ridden warriors lay within the ruins of the forgotten world. Take heed, stranger, for these are the times of great bogus peril. May Lord Randy bless your slaughters and keep you rad. Hi, my name is Austin. I'm the main host and DM of the Beer and Pretzel podcast. But today, I am your host and player of Forever a Gnome, a role-playing game podcast spinoff for our main show where I play solo role-playing games. Today, I'm going to be taking Brian Shutter's Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland. Um, I just chatted with him on a recent interview podcast. So if you want, you can uh, check that out and listen to us as we discuss this game. And he had a expansion for this game where you can learn and play as a solo mode. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. So we'll be going into what this game is about, what's the world like a little bit, uh, some of the mechanics, the character, and then we'll be playing for a little bit. This game is kind of designed to be difficult, especially at level one, and especially concerned that I'm playing this game solo. So I'm going to try my best to get my characters who, spoiler alert, his name is Tickles. Tickles is going to try and make it out alive, but we'll see what happens. So, in the game, this is a game that you can buy at drive through RPG. Uh, Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland is what, when I was reading it, I got a lot of Mad Max mixed with Borderlands, based on a style matters kind of system which uh, this game is ultra violent style matters rpg that builds off the bx rules which brian told me is uh basically what it means is the old style of dungeon and dragons um, which i have not played so this game uh the rules and stuff is a little bit rusty for me but i was able to read through it and it was actually very fun to read it's got a lot of dark humor to it and i love the neon colors and a very highly stylized art to it and it's enjoyable to read even though it's 250 pages so it's a normal uh larger rpg book and normally on this podcast we play smaller rpgs but still it's fun to read and i think i got a good hang on what the rules are so neon lords of toxic wasteland is no holds barred to the max game with an emphasis on an ability class point system including fortune points which grants the players some flexibility in dire roles neon lords has a 80s 90s action sci-fi look and feel the setting is a end-of-the-world Earth in which magic mixed with technology of the 80s and early 90s has created the cassette futurism seen in the Neo-Terex tech and some of the Xeno tech, as well as influencing the overall art style. It's an over-the-top, bloody, random, wild, and a hell of a good time. That's a good summary of the game, actually. So what I'm going to be doing today, like I said, I'm going to be playing my solo character, and he's going going off, and he's going to be hopefully having a good time. What asshole am I playing today? 
Well, I am playing Tickles the Brutacorn. What the fuck is a Brutacorn? A Brutacorn, even though this game has 11 dope classes, in my opinion, the Brutacorn is the most rad. Brutacorn is half bicorn. Yes, it's a humanoid Stanton horse with two horns, and it can use those horns to cast magic. It's also half machine and all attitude. Brutacorn's basically cyborg and a unicorn, but with two horns, and it stands upright and it has magic abilities. It cannot wear any kind of armor that does not have any magical properties to it, and it loves to use shotguns. And that is my character, Tickles. He has a... what kind of hairstyle? Something cool about this game is that you can choose a hairstyle for most of the characters. Most of the characters you're playing are some kind of human variant. Uh, so you have like, I forget how much it is. It's like 20 different hairstyles to pick from. And each one gives you some kind of ability score change or some kind of ability. Uh, the Brutacorns all have glorious manes though, which makes sense as they're horses. And it gave me a extra, I think it added to my ability points, I want to say. Um, but yeah, my Brutacorn is called Tickles, and I wasted all my money instead of buying more and cooler weapons and maybe a human shield, because this game definitely lets people know, hey, bring extra bodies if you can afford them. Bring hirelings out and use them as meat shields. This game is tough and rough, and you want to use them as your meat shields if possible. So Tickles is all about the style. So I wasted all 20 gold that I had. I had a really crappy roll and I bought some really cool sunglasses. So I got some really cool shades on. I got a leather jacket that has uh, magic infused in it, I believe. And I got a dope shotgun and no money. Tickles, what can I say about him? He loves to kill and he loves to shoot things. Um, he is part of, let me check, but he's part of Danza's Destroyers. He is might over magic. In this uh, war that's going on, the uh, Brutacorns have been recruited onto two sides. The punk Brewmeisters, who use the Brutacorns' ability to use their horns to cast magic, and the Danza's Destroyers, which is the side I'm on, which they have a focus more on the horn as an optional melee attack. So sometimes if I run out of, because I have no other weapon, I have the shotgun and that's it. If someone gets too close to me, I'm going to be hitting them with my horn. And what else can I say? Um, his favorite drink is the orange creamsicle. The orange creamsicle is three shots of whipped cream vodka, a half shot of orange triple sec, fill it with orange soda, and that's the orange creamsicle. And then put an orange starburst in for flavor. But now, let's jump into the adventure. What has Tickles the Brutacorn been up to in this crazy rad world? And what troubles has he been getting into? I'm going to be playing the introduction adventure for solo play, Thirsty for More, written by Brian. Um, and this is in the solo rule book of Thirsty for More. Right, I got to try to put on a cool voice, which I'm not good at. I'm not cool enough for this game. My party was slaughtered, trying to retrieve a very rare Gelf crystal from deep within the runes of the Forgotten World. Hired by private benefactors, the gig promised big bucks for the safe arrival of the Crystal Shard. With the help of my fallen party boys, I managed to infiltrate the ruins, make a bloody pace out of the mutant and monsters that stood in my way. 
that was a jest until a party came toe-to-toe with some giant, slimy, cruddy mutant that was the size of a house. As he chomped down on every member of the party with a man-sized thrasher, I grabbed the crystal. And as the thrasher claimed the head of my Night Stalker buddy, in my head I thought, Tough luck, pal. More moolah for me. As I went on full sprint, and as I have hooves and very strong back legs, I can move very fast. And I got the hell out of the chamber. Unfortunately for me, though, the mutants are really attached to that chunk of rock that I stole and gave chase, hot on my heels. Now with a prize in hand and running for my life from a mutant horde, I see a shack on the horizon, the perfect place to dig in and call for extraction. Now all I have to do is lay low and wait for the attack choppers to triangulate on my position and come save my ass. Estimation time of arrival is 8 hours. Just survive and all the cash is mine. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, um, at least my solo play portion of it, uh, solo play role-playing games are pretty interesting, and I like playing them even if it is a little bit tough to do some points. I really love the work role-playing game creators do to make their game that's meant for group play, like a traditional role-playing game, and find a way to keep the same themes with it. Uh, same mechanics or mostly the same mechanics but make it so that a solo person can play it and have a fun time and it's very interesting to see how they bend the rules a little bit just to allow uh, a person like me who's right now just waiting until the rest of the beer and pretzel podcast is coming back from quarantine as one member or actually two members unfortunately got covid or was exposed to covid but the rest of the game will be back soon if you want to hear more of our group play and who knows if you enjoyed this episode let me know and we might do a neon lords of toxic wasteland group play if you want to hear more than just me play okay so what was tickles given by the private benefactors on this mission starting gear meat scanner which is basically the alien scanner from aliens uh that allows me to kind of scan and find any piece of meat within 30 uh, foot radius, can scan through walls and whatnot. A laser lance, which is kind of cool. Um, basically a futuristic weapon that can punch a hole through a row of three enemies as it lined up. Uh, I got uh, five sticks, which could give me an addiction that if I chew on them, I could recover a little bit of health. And a death stick, which is a very highly addictive drug. Tickles the Brutacorn is running as fast as he can down the hill towards the empty shack as he hears gunshots going off behind him and the snarls of the monsters that ate my friends. The shack up ahead is built out of rusty metal and made out of shipping containers and other various wasteland debris. The door and windows, one on each side, are all boarded up and if a six is rolled on my D6, uh, let's take a look. Uh, nope. Um, there are one D6 plus one vermin folk are still alive inside. Only if I rolled a six, which I did not, which I guess means they're all dead. So once I break open the door, there are six dead vermin folk. Vermin folk, I didn't get a good read on them, but I'm going to picture them as small, gross-looking rat-human hybrid things. Probably a giant rat and some humans uh, made an unfortunate pattern a long time ago and led to this disgusting race that needs to be wiped out. 
Perhaps my character likes to hunt these creatures for fun. The inside is dusty and rotted. So are the mangled, bloody vermin folk bodies that litter every room. What could have caused this amount of carnage? Along with the vermin folk bodies, there are all the equipment to cook a black nightmare, which is a highly addictive drug in this game. There comes to no surprise as vermin folk form the main drug cartels that manufacture black nightmare in the wasteland sites such as this. And deep in the sewers of Detroit Prime and the other big settlements within the sectors, Tickles knows that the president has declared war on all drugs within the walls of Detroit Prime to be illegal and anyone caught with contraband will be killed on sight. Rumor has it he's been greenlighting black ops hits on cartels and drug-making facilities outside of his jurisdiction. Could this have been one of those hits? Now I'm going to be rolling on the carnage table, a d4 to determine the fate of the vermin folk. They're dead now, but perhaps if I roll well enough, maybe they left some things behind for me to salvage. Because right now I have an hour of prep time before the legion of monsters and uh, whatever cult I just broke into to seal this crystal are going to come after me and attack me at this small shack. And this shack won't be able to protect me for long. Rolling a three, unfortunately, these rats OD'd on their own supply. Blood and vomit covered each corpse. The combat amphibians must have bolted with the equipment, leaving nothing but corpses and a bad batch of black nightmare. And speaking of the frog people that came in here and took the stash and left with all the equipment and weapons, there is a big and burly combat amphibian named Puss. A rough and tumble ex-bodyguard who stays here. I'm going to be rolling reactions. Kind of like a game that I've been playing recently on this podcast. On the solo uh, play side of it. Like Morkborg, there is a reaction table. I roll 2d6s to find out how he reacts to me. As Tickles looks over. And I'm in this kind of like very gross, dirty looking crack house. Just dead rat people around me. All OD'd on his black nightmare. In the door frame leaning out of this room, there is what basically looks like a ninja turtle, except he wears no shirt. He wears like karate pants and a karate belt, but no shirt, just ripped abs. And instead of being a turtle with the ninja turtles, obviously, he is a dope looking frog dude with nunchucks. Roll on the reaction table. Hey, he's cool, me. I hold my shotgun, but I indicate that I mean him no harm. I'm just trying to salvage what I can get, and I'm going to try to get out of here alive. And he can join me if he would like, which he does. Uh, Puss is going to aid me in fighting off the horde that is almost to the shack. I control the power of the ninja frog. Puss and Tickles, the bicorn, brutacorn, cyborg horse thing, are we best friends. At least until he dies. Or eventually when I die. But still, as long as he dies first. What has been left behind? Unfortunately, nothing. Because that would help a lot, but the rest of his frog friends took everything and left. And in his prep, this is a really cool adventure because you have an hour to prep before the horde comes. And depending on what was left behind in the carnage... There's a bunch of stuff. Some of it is like you'd think it'd be kind of useless. 10 pounds of cans of nacho flavored cheese. 
These motherfuckers must have the munchies if they're having that much nacho-flavored cheese. Blaster rifles, that's useful. Flashbangs, uh, 20 nails, wooden boards, spool of fishing line. How is that going to help? Well, Brian wrote in a bunch of cool different traps that uh, you can build to kind of just outfit this place and be basically Kevin McAllister in Home Alone and just kind of outfit this place to be the ultimate killing weapon, just like Kevin McAllister's house. But unfortunately, I got the one role that I shouldn't have got, that everything is gone. Tickles looks around, scraping his hoof on the floor. Perhaps whinnies or whatever horses do when they're frustrated. I don't know. I don't own a horse. But he's frustrated. I have this shotgun. I have this ninja frog with nunchucks. And I have less than an hour before this horde shows up to wipe us both out. What am I going to do? I guess before the horde comes, Tickles is going to look around and is going to motion to another rooms. The frog, Puss, has not explored them. So I guess I'll check them out in case there's something that I can salvage to better our chances at surviving. Knocking down the door, as in this game you normally roll to see if you can knock down a door or otherwise you have to shoot down the door. Or there's a cool little mechanic of having to try to lockpick a door. But brute corns are dope as fuck and they can just knock down pretty much any door. Is it magical or would it make sense to be able to be knocked down by the sheer power of a cyborg horse alone? But anyway, smash down the door and I go into the next room. Um, I think I have a room generator. In this room, a not-so-secret secret door is on the floor in the center. Roll on the what is in the room table if opened. I'm going to go over, and Tickles is going to look around. You know, probably open this is probably not a good idea. There's probably something nasty down there that's going to try to eat me. But who knows, maybe there's a chance that opening this will lead to a tunnel I can get out of here. I'm going to open it and see what's inside. Opening the floor door, inside is a monster. And unfortunately, it is a champion. I don't know what that means, but I am going to probably get my ass kicked. Uh, champion is something that all the wimps look up to this guy. Got a few humanoid kills under their belt. They're crusty, war-torn, bad dudes who put up a fight that you may not survive. Rolling on the monster sheet. Luckily, this champion monster is rabid rats. So I assume it's some kind of swarm. So, or maybe one large rat, the king of the rats. But even though it did get some additional health, it only has four hit points still. So it's a champion of the rats, but it's still just a very large rat. Uh, the pet probably of the rat folk that were killed upstairs, and it was just forced down into this basement where it eaten its brethren ever since, growing stronger and bigger than all the other rats combined. This fat fucking rat down here probably looks like one of those disgusting pigs, the ones that people own sometimes. I guess they're not disgusting. I guess they're kind of cute. But this rat is not cute. And I'm going to pull out my shotgun, and we're going to begin. In this, we roll a d6. Uh, to determine the initiative, I roll for the monsters and for uh, myself. I get a four, and the rat gets a one, so I get to go first. Uh, movement is the first stage if I want to move. If anything, I'm going to just back up a little bit. 
So the rabid rat runs up to the stairs, finally sensing that it is able to get free and get something with some fresh meat on it. Because it's too close to use my shotgun, or perhaps a shotgun would be fine in this scenario, but for now, I'm gonna save the ammo and I'm gonna poke my head down, my two horns sharp, glistening, uh, glistening as much as I can in this dark, dirty crack house, and I'm gonna stab the shit out of this rat with my two horns. Uh, rolling, I rolled an 18 plus my bonuses, so I easily hit and I do a d6 of damage. I would have gotten a plus four bonus though if I had a run and start, but unfortunately I did not. Maybe that's something I should have done when I had the chance. Uh, rolling, I only rolled two damage. Uh, I stabbed the rat, but not too hard, and it gets a bite on me. The rat rolls a two, and even with his bonuses, it's easily going to miss me as it jumps up, gnarling, and trying to bite at me. I keep pushing it away with my hoof. With my other arms, I pull out my shotgun, aim it at the rat. Wrong way. Dead end. And I fire. Rolling another 18, easily a hit. The shotgun does a D8 of damage with a D4 cone damage went around it. In this case, though, it just damages the floorboards. Uh, rolling, I did four damage. This rat only has four hit points, so the rat is blown apart. All right, I guess that's the last room I'm gonna check out for a little bit. Going back to the main room, after clearing out that rat, I'm going to reload and wait for the eventual horror to come. Maybe I'll check out one more room. I guess I'll explore one more time before the horde comes. Um, rolling a five, this room has bookshelves that line the walls. Every book is from the teen novel series Heebie Jeebies. Tickles the Bicorn's favorite series. Is there anything of use or anything I can salvage or find in this place? Um, I, let me find out. Inspecting this room full of books, as I pull books off the bookshelf, Reminiscent on the days when I'd have a chance to read some of this book series before eventually the books were torn away from me so we can use the paper for toilet paper. As I picture those happy memories, a group of rabid rats attack. So once again, I'm getting the rabid rats, but not a champion rat this time. Just one single rat. Okay, so that's good. Uh, one that they only have half a hit dies, which means they only have two hit points, and a rat jumps off at me. Uh, rolling the initiative, I once again beat it, and I get to go first, and I'm going to, uh, I guess I'm going to stab it with my horn. Uh, I miss as I'm too surprised as rat jumps off the shelf and lands on me, trying to bite at me, which it does, dealing one point of damage to me, so... Just a little gnarly bite on me, but as I start shaking it off, I try to grab the rat and just pierce it on the top of my head on my horn. And if I do so, I'm going to just leave that dead rat on the top of my head as a warning to all those who see me. Not really a threatening one as it's just a rabid rat. It's kind of gross and I wish I didn't find it, but it's not... It's nothing compared to what I'm going to be fighting when this horde shows up. Uh, I do hit and I easily kill it. Now I want everyone to picture the two horns on the top of my head, pierced between them is a dead rat. So it's kind of like I have a mohawk, but the mohawk instead of hair is just like a nasty rat with its guts hanging out. I'm sick of exploring these rooms as I only keep finding these rats. I know it's just 
really it's just unfortunate rules. I keep getting rats, but uh, Tickles is going to be like, nope, I'm done. Rats all over this place. This is nasty. I load up my shotgun and I wait for the eventual horde to show up. Looking out the window, um, I already rolled already before we did this to generate what kind of cult or organization is after me. Um, going into it, I rolled a one, which was a mutant snake cult. These snake worshippers have grown accustomed to worshipping the sizable chunk of gelf crystal I stole from them. Wanting it back oh so desperately, they have emerged from their underground ruins in hopes of getting it back from me. I have to survive three waves of attacks. The first round is four human cultists and two mutant raiders. So, as the four mutants come in, all of them wearing cloaks of their snake god and wielding some kind of gross looking... And and all wielding some kind of gnarly dagger. More like shivs, if anything. Probably just grabbed some kind of sheet of metal or broken glass and turned it into a knife. I send Puss, the ninja frog, up ahead. And rolling his hit die, um, a plus and a negative is that I rolled a six for the enemy, the cultist. So all of them are pretty high life. But he does have 11. But Puss does have 11 hit points, so... They'll all have some decent hit points to battle out, and I shove him forward, I arm myself at the back, and let him do his thing. He gets to go first, and he goes in swinging, using his nunchucks, and he starts attacking them, and he starts swinging wildly all over the place, but he's unable to hit any single one of them as they all circle around him, trying to push him to the ground to get a stab in. Well. I'm not going to let his death, or soon to be death, go in vain. What I have is a laser lance. Laser lance is basically a cool little gun thing that I can blast in a straight line, and it does a good amount of damage. I think it's 3d4 damage. And it does do a straight blast, so as all five, not five, all four cultists roll in, surrounding Puss, as they catch him in the door frame and they're trying to pull him out, they get to stab him in their knives. I'm going to just hold out my gun, my upper action to switch weapons, and I'm going to blast at them. Apparently, also, the laser lance ignores AC and auto hits, which is great. 3d4 damage, that's pretty good. And uh, takes away from armor and automatically hits. So one, um, oh jeez, come on. Uh, three, that's four. And two is six. A perfect six is all of the four cultists go down. And I'm going to roll in a death save for all of them. But concerned they have to get an 18, they're probably not. Yeah, I'm rolling pretty bad. Uh, yeah, every single one just dies on the spot as they line up perfectly for the perfect shot. And just one single beam just goes right through them. And they all drop to the ground. There's still the two mutant raiders that are trying to break in through my windows to try to get to me, but I took out a good amount of them with one shot. And I did probably hit Puss, but you know what? It's the spoils of war. As the mutant raiders spent their move action and main action breaking down the windows to crawl in, it is a new round. And in this game, you roll initiative with each new round. So this time around, the last of this wave, which is the mutant raiders, the two of them. 
um, which basically are two fat fucks who operate with swords and uh, they're pretty good at slashing and ripping into things apparently uh, and they're big mutoids uh, mutant cannibal creeps that want to eat my flesh and harvest my teeth very gross so they get to go first and they're gonna break through the window uh, with their move action my move action is to be to back away from them and uh, pus is going to run at them now it is the ranged combat section which is for me i'm gonna fire at them even though knowing that there's a chance i could hit pus my character he's half cyborg doesn't give a shit half cyborg half doesn't give a shit about pus so i'm gonna roll and i have a 11 but i get a plus three I had some uh, decent bonuses, so I get a 14, and I believe that is going to hit the threshold I need to hit. That is correct. I am going to hit them. Okay, so I roll a 12, and with my plus 3 bonus, I'm going to barely hit them as they have an armor class of 15, and I will be hitting plus 2 with at least a blast of it. Um, I got to roll to make sure I don't just hit him with the, the main attack. I do not. And he's going to take an additional two points of damage from the shrapnel as one of the mutant raiders. And these guys have, I think, five hit points. Um, I do six damage to him, so I just instantly kill him as he gets splattered. Uh, his depth save is a 13, which is easier to hit than the cultist having to get an 18. Uh, but he rolls a 9, so he fails. Uh, yeah, brain matter just gets splattered all over the broken windows and the deteriorated walls as one mutant hits the floor. It is now the ranged combat turn, starting with the mutant raider, who's going to first slash with a plus one bonus to pus, and he is going to hit, doing, I think, plus one, yeah, d6 plus one damage. And uh, free damage. Puss is still in the game, but very injured. If we can finish off this guy, maybe I can give him some of my... They're not death sticks, but there's some kind of, like, healing stick that... There's a 5% chance I could get addicted, but, you know, there's also a 95% chance I gain some hit points. So maybe I'll help a buddy out. So, now movement turn. I'm going to just charge. And because we're going to be jumping from past... The range combat section as no one's using range combat to the next part of the initiative which is melee combat we are going first this time in the initiative order and i got my run and start i'll do extra four points of damage if i hit and i'm going to hit him with my unicorn horn he's very surprised as i as I basically level him like a rhinoceros and with a plus three bonus, I am able to barely hit. I've been getting some good rolls because this game is not forgiven. So getting these good rolls, at least right now, very helpful. I didn't want to die within the first 10 minutes. Uh, one damage, but with that plus four bonus from the charge, I do five points of damage and I'm able to kill him. All right. Me and Puss, uh, we take a moment to sigh as we're able to survive round one i give him some of my vitality sticks and give him four more hit points bringing his total to six i've yet to take any damage and because i am playing the solo rules i was able to double my starting hit points from eight to sixteen 
as my race has a decent amount of hit points. Um, so right now I'm doing pretty good, but the second round of the wave is about to happen. Do I want to explore anymore? Probably not. I just want to load up my shotgun and wait for who's going to come next. Round two out of three. If I can make it for three rounds, the helicopter is going to come down and get me out of here. But if I'm not able to get out, I might have to try to take everyone out with me. After a bit of rest in which we're able to uh, stock up on some additional hit points and prepare for the next battle, I was not prepared for what happened next. I see more raiders come in. This time there are three of them, but also there is a mutant gunner. A strange looking man mutated by the dark sun. The mutated gunner has a blaster rifle and sends many shots through the broken windows and even through the very weak uh, walls and we're having to duck without so that we don't get shot. When we start in a new round of combat and this time it's going to be starting with the bad guys. Uh, move action, smashing through the open door and climbing through the windows but ending their turn there is the three mutant raiders. The mutant gunner gets into a closer position and is preparing to aim to fire at us next round. My turn, I'm going to charge the closest mutant the closest mutant raider and I'm hoping that with my unicorn smash attack I might be able to do some damage. Rolling hit die for these guys. I rolled two ones actually for the mutant uh, raiders. They only have two hit points each. The mutant gunner is a little bit more with five but I could have rolled much higher so I'm actually pretty lucky that these guys have uh, pretty minimal uh, hit points for me to manage with. So <sighs> Alright, it's time for us to do this and time to whip out some magic. So my turn, I'm going to start in the operating phase by using magic, which is right after missile stage, which is the gun. The mutant gunner is going to fire in at me with a plus two bonus to hit. And I'm hoping that he doesn't hit me because his blast rifle does a good amount of damage. And he unfortunately does. That's 2d4s plus two blaster rifle. As I'm about to look like the guy from Platoon. You remember that when he puts his hands up there? You know, well, never mind. Anyway, 2d4s plus 2 damage. I have a total of 16 health. Uh, 1, 4, so that's 5, plus 2 is 7. That took out almost half my hit points. Great. My turn. Use my magical abilities. And I keep forgetting that I can use fortune points to aid me in... Uh, getting closer to succeed in this game you can use fortune points to add more points to your rolls so you can turn a failure roll into a success if you're able to do so i'm going to do and this is one of the reasons why i just picked this race chad attack it's a spell where you toss insults and then give the middle finger they then take minus two to their next turn or minus two to their armor class until next turn all right fuck this gunner Fuck these bitches. I believe I have to roll um, still. Uh, that should be enough. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. And the gunner has minus two armor class. So hopefully we can take him out next round. Um, at this point, it should be the melee turn, which involves my frog dude going up, using some nunchucks, and that is a hit. And using some damage... They only have two hit points each, so he's able to take out one of the three. And their turns, 
Uh, one is one of them is going to hit, and the other one is going to miss. And that guy does a total of two damage on Peck. His name's not Peck. It's like why do I keep? Re- I don't know why this is a thing that I keep forgetting his name. It's like Puke Peck. Uh, what's his name? Puss. That's his name. Why can I never remember his name? It's not even that difficult. All right, so he gets slashed for two points of damage. Could have been worse. Uh, he's, you know, he's been racking up some uh, hurt. We were able to heal up during the last short rest, but uh, short rest in this game is, well, equivalent to a D&D short rest. It's a shorter period of time um, where you can rest between rooms or between battles. You can get a quick drink of water or some food and get a couple hit points, but mostly you get your hit points back after doing a long rest. It's specifically mentioned as being a non-option for healing, which I like. In Dungeon Dragon, so annoying when people go into a dungeon and they spend eight hours resting after a battle, which doesn't make any sense when you go in, you should be out of that dungeon within a couple hours. You're trying to go in, get the stuff, and get out. And this, Brian's like, hey... If you want to heal, you can use short rest or any kind of healing. But if you want to do a long rest, you got to find a safe place out in like a town or a nice little house or somewhere where you're actually able to do so. Otherwise, if you try resting eight hours in dungeon, someone's going to come up behind you and eat you when you're not ready. All right, let's get back to this game. So I was able to um, insult one guy and uh, frog dude's doing some damage on the guy. Uh, no, he took out one of them. It's a new round, and Roland, uh, we get to go first this time. That's good. Uh, Movement-wise, I'm going to move uh, between my frog friend, kind of use him as a shield, sort of, and getting closer to the mutant gunner. And, um, and that's it. And it's going to be a battle of the range attacks, me versus the mutant gunner, as I'm going to cock my shotgun and then try to level him before he can even enter this little shitty house. Rolling a 10 plus 3, that is a 13. I don't know what it is. His armor class is a 13. Perfect. Okay. And his hit points was a 5, and with a D8 roll, I got an 8. And with the solo edition rules... Anytime you roll a maximum on the damage die, you get to roll again. It's called exploding. The dice explode, and I do, okay, one more damage, so nine damage. Doesn't matter. Uh, This mutant gunner gets laid out. He starts to walk in, looking like a badass with his dope blast rifle, looking around, trying to find who he can kill. He knows of Peck, the little frog dude, or whatever his name is, Puke, Um, but he's trying to find me. I'm the one with the crystal. I'm the one that he's meaning to come in to wipe out. As soon as he comes in, though, I'm to the side of him, and I just unload a shotgun blast to the side of his head, just wiping out half of his skull. Pick the Frog is able to hit with his nunchucks on one of the other mutant um, raiders, and he only does two damage, but once again... When I rolled for their hit points, they only have two hit points when I rolled two snake eyes. So another one is taken out. He snaps another one across the face and he gets knocked unconscious. There's only one left and he's going to try to stab my frog friend. And by friend, I really mean meat shield. And he definitely hits with that. And uh, a three. Okay, so luckily they've been rolling fairly low. 
Uh, Puke is not looking pretty good right now, but he still has enough life in him. And it is a new round. And we got a five, they got a four, so we get to go first. And I'm gonna just charge at this guy with my unicorn horn. I'm gonna just plow into him. I'm gonna use the horns to pierce him into the wall and just leave him hanging up like how a hunter leaves up a dead deer. And that's a 10. Once again, plus three. I don't know what the Raiders have for stats. I believe the Raiders actually have like a 15, so I believe I miss. Um, their turns, um, our frog friend, gonna whip the nunchucks, miss. This raider's gonna try to stab me this time, and he is gonna barely hit, dealing me an additional two points of damage. Um, luckily, damage has been fairly low for them, so we've been able to survive. Going into the next round, I kind of skipped over some things, but just not trying to bore people the details, but I used the last uh, part of my shotgun ammo, I put the shotgun up next to his chest and blast away, leaving a gaping hole where his chest used to be. And once again, we're able to survive that round. We've been very lucky with this game so far in that I've been rolling good on the attacks. They've been rolling pretty bad on damage and their health has been fairly low. But now we're going to get into the final round, which is the meat Titan. As I look out to see what more do they have in stock for me. What more do we have to go through to survive this? And is my friend, Little Puke the Frog, is he gonna make it out alive with me? And who knows, this could be a start of like a lethal weapon type buddy cop movie in the future. A sequel, if you will, of me, a ninja frog, and his unicorn cyborg killer friend. We hear the loud sounds of the meat titan. Rolling his hit points, uh, two, two, two again, and one. Oh, jeez, once again. Uh, so seven hit points. So he actually doesn't have a ton of hit points. But the Meat Titan, pretty dope looking dude. Always fresh, never frozen. The Meat Titan is a special breed of mutant. A bit beefier, if you will, than your run-the-mill Mutie. Mute Titans stand a whopping nine feet tall, but apparently only have seven hit points. I think these yellow dice, I picked these out because they're very kind of gross looking. They look like they're like color of pea or mustard. And I just figured like they're so bright and obnoxious looking that they would be perfect for the neon colors of this game. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, whopping nine feet tall and able to carry many weapons with just one hand that normally would have to be mounted on a vehicle. Uh, rather than him being able to just hold it himself, which he's able to do. That's cool. And his head is made up entirely of mutated ground meat of an unknown origin. Basically, this dude has a flame broiler in one arm. The other arm, he's given me the middle finger, and his head is part cyborg, but mostly just a big hamburger. So this dude walks up intimidated but also it's like what the fuck is this dude's problem he walks in like he owns the place rolling the initiative he actually gets to go first he points down his flame broiler um and if we're going off uh initiative we get to move first and then he gets to use his range attack okay so he uses flame his flame broiler which looks like some kind of flamethrower 
he steps in and points at the ground. He melts all the dead rats and just crap that's in this room, and he's trying to roast us out of this. Um, I did not find what his attack is, so I believe that his it's just going to be an agility check from both of us. Uh, Frog dude rolled a 15. He's able to get out of it. And I rolled a 4 and I failed. Uh, damage on this thing is a d10. So rolling that out, I believe. Um, after during battles, I was able to take some more uh, fertility sticks. And I was able to heal up more. And he does 5 damage to me. Our turn. Um, I'm going to just blast him with my shotgun. Miss. Frog dude is going to run over and try to whack him with his nunchucks. Will hit for a whopping three points of damage. This dude is so big that he can just use this two-handed gun as a one-handed weapon and does an additional two damage on all melee attacks just because of how large he is. He just smacks my frog friend across the face with this thing doing a whopping Ooh, eight points of damage, instantly killing him. Just crushing him, knocking him against the wall, then coming over and just taking the butt of the flame broiler and just smashing it, smashing it, smashing it into his face. And then looking over, kind of goofy looking because his head is a hamburger, but for me, kind of intimidating, took out my friend. I will not stand for that. It's a new round, and uh, we're starting once again with him. Movement-wise, he's going to stay where he is. I'm going to charge right at him so he can't use the Flame Broiler's range attack, at least. Even though, no, he could. Uh, the range on this thing is 5, which I believe that means he can shoot any square next to him. 5 feet is every square. And um, he gets to go first with the range attacks. In this game, range attacks and melee attacks... I'm sorry, range attacks and spell attacks happen before melee attacks. And rolling his attack, he is going to hit me. And he, oh my god, he just rolled a 10 plus 4 is 14. And he's going to instantly take me out. So in this game, what normally happens is that you could just have everyone die as soon as they hit 0. But that's mostly just for NPCs. Usually for a hero, you roll a death save. And if you match it, you're able to live. So really what I'm going to be rolling for is my death save, which at this point, as a level one character, my death save I need is a 17. That's a very high number. And I believe I do that with an endurance check, which I have plus two with. And I rolled 11 plus two, 13. And this is the end of Tickles the Bicorn. Thanks for listening, everyone, as I played Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland. He fought hard, he lived a long time relatively for a level 1 character, but in the end, the meat got me. Thanks for listening, and next time you'll be listening to us as we play Parsley, which is the Parser game RPG, based off old text-based RPGs uh, for the PCs. And that game is coming up on this Friday. And next week we have um, Gun in Slinger, which is a cool RPG about playing a uh, sentient gun wielded by a uh, slinger. Someone who operates the gun and has magical powers. 
it's a three-person RPG, and one person is a GM. One person plays the sentient magical gun, and the other person plays his slinger, the one who's actually able to hold and shoot the gun. we got good stuff coming up, and if you enjoyed this, you should check out Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland and check out the rest of Brian Shutter's work at Drive-Thru RPG. Have a good night, everyone, and if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. I enjoy doing these, but they're tougher to do than group plays. So so any appreciation I can get, I will take. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll hear from you next time on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast.